0: So several years ago, I began to focus on the time between Thanksgiving and and, um, Christmas to do messages that were designed to help prepare us to celebrate the birth of his son. And so I, I began to try to do that, and I just could never connect. Every message I got with this was more towards Easter than Christmas. And my mind works, that frustrates me. So this week, uh, uh, I went away for, uh, we went away for uh, two days. I took the first day by myself. I find that sometimes, if I just get away, out of the home, out of the office, away from the church, don't get away too long, um, uh, then I begin to get a, a perspective on things, and God's opened, opened my eyes. And then Nina came down and joined me for the second day, and we had a wonderful time together. And on the way back, we were driving separately, so I was driving alone, I began to talk to God about this. And he began to make me aware of something that I've had to deal with somewhat in my own life and I believe we're all dealing with to some degree. And I've become aware that there are many people out there that are dealing with what I want to talk to you about this morning in a very serious way. More than presenting a nice Christmas Advent series, I think it's important to allow God to speak to us where we are and to help us and meet us where we are. So I'm not going to bring an Advent message tonight, today, and if I finish this, I may do it next week. And we're just going to let the Holy Ghost talk to us this morning. So let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that you are a God who speaks to us. You're speaking to us all the time. Jesus said over and over again to the people that were around him, to his own disciples, he always ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying and even in the end in the book of Revelation you say to each of the churches something special something different and then you end each message by he who is ears to hear let him hear what the Spirit is saying to this church and so Father we know that you're speaking to us we know that because you're a loving Father you meet us where we are you care about us where we are and you want to help lift us up and strengthen us so that we can go all the way through to the end strong and victorious and finish what you put us here to do and we need help with that and so today Father I believe that what you put on my heart is designed and intended by you to do just that and I'm not capable in myself Father I need to hear this as much as all the rest of us and so I'm trusting myself to the Holy Spirit to guide the things that you've been sowing into my heart that are in the word And may we all have ears to hear and eyes to see and hearts to grasp what the Spirit is saying to us personally this morning and to us collectively as a community of believers here at Faith Christian Center. And for that, we thank you in advance. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. It doesn't take a lot of spiritual discernment to realize that we're living in a time of great pressure. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. Prospering in the pressure. Because we're under a lot of pressure as we were worshiping today. I, the Lord brought back to me that this is not unique because my parents, my parents were young adults in, during World War II. And, and, and we don't have anybody here anymore that was alive that I know of. That was in World War II, but many of you have parents like I do, some of you as grandparents that came through World War II. And we can look back on those times because we know the result. And we know, we know that, that, that we were, ended up being safe, we know that God preserved us, but when they were going through it, they didn't know that. I was thinking, uh, even as we were coming home, the other day, and, and, you know, as I greeted her when she came to, came to meet me, and, and we were so glad to see each other, I was thinking of, of young wives that would kiss their husbands goodbye, sending them off to war, having no idea whether they would ever see them again. And the amazing pressure that was under. During World War II, this nation had to go through rationing. And we're dealing with that now, not because it's rationing, but because there are supply issues. Because of ships that can't get into port, People can't get the things that they need we're used to getting. I'm, I'm used to getting this, and so we have to wait weeks for dishwashers and for other things that we're used to being able to go to a store and get immediately. And although that's not the end of the world, it puts, puts pressure, pressure on us. Those that lived in, in England during World War II were under greater pressure because the enemy was right at their door, and they didn't know whether they were going to make it or not those that lived in continental Europe and France and in and, 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 and all the other nations, they were under, they were under uh, uh, occupation and they were under tremendous pressure. So pressure is not unique. It may be unique to us because we've never dealt with pressure at this level. So we need to have a historical perspective on pressure and realize people have been in pressure before and they've come through it. The church has been under pressure before. Satan's tried to destroy the church from the very beginning and he has not succeeded and he never will succeed because Jesus said the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. So pressure will not stop the church. In fact, all the pressure ever does is it strengthens the true believers because it gets rid of all the stuff in our lives that really are not that important. I've never felt pressure in my life, the way I'm feeling it now, from all sides. And I'm sure that many of you feel that way. But I believe there's a difference, and I'm going to just tell you right now my own beliefs. I believe that when this COVID hit a year, in the, back in March of last year, I guess that's when it was, it reminds you how you lose track of time when all this stuff. I believe that there was a spiritual shift that took place. And it's important that we understand, I'll talk about that in a minute, the times that we're in and the, and the prophetic time that we're in. Now, I'm not a prophetic person. I'm not a prophet. And I don't get off teaching a lot of prophecy. And I'll tell you why, because I don't understand most of it. And I don't want to attempt to teach you something I don't understand. And there are, there are, there are things out there where there are scriptures to, provo- pro- to support different sides. And I don't understand that. That's one of the questions I may have when I get to heaven, but I probably won't ask it. Because I believe that there are some questions God does not intend to us to have answers to. He just wants us to trust Him. And so we get sidetracked in some of those issues. And I'm not saying they're not important issues. But I believe that there was a spiritual shift that began to take place when this thing hit. And that's important because that means that what we're dealing with is not just a series of issues. We're not dealing with just COVID. We're not dealing with just all the... You know, we're in a time of, of tremendous, tremendous um, uh, 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 threats to our physical safety. It's, it's getting dangerous to go out in the stores. I mean, it, it, <laughs> there's violence in our neighborhoods. On the way over last week, I was redirected because we had a shooting half an hour, half a mile from church. And praise God, the police that were involved were safe. Perpetrator died. But these things are, this is a a safe community and you're not safe anywhere. That's why we have wonderful police officers with us on Sunday morning. Just to make sure we have some provision for safety. We never had to do that before. So times are different. So there's, there's danger out there that we never had to deal with. They were always somewhere else. They were in the movies. There's now threat of inflation. You know, prices going up and gasoline and things going up. And all these things can be very, very unsettling. And this summer it looked like maybe this... COVID was beginning to get under control with the vaccinations and things like that and the cases were decreasing and now we find the caseload and things are almost back where they were the beginning in the middle of last winter. And now we have a new variant and there's no promise that there won't be other variants. Are you feeling excited yet? Am I getting you really stirred up and excited? Praise God, am I glad I came to church. Pastor John, you're rubbing my nose and everything I've been trying to avoid. Well, it's good to laugh at it, isn't it? And sometimes that's exactly what we need to do. But I can't believe that God would put... By the way, it's a privilege for us to be alive now. Because if this is a prophetic time, that God has a prophetic purpose for His church. And all through the stuff we went through last year, I kept reminding you and myself that God's vision for you and God's vision for this church is not just to survive. If all we want to do is just survive, then Satan's won. God's purpose and plan for His church, and that's you and me, is that the church should prosper, and I'm not just talking about financially, that the church should prosper, that the church should be bold, courageous, that the church should be the power of God demonstrated, because this is of all times the greatest opportunity. See, smart investors... I had a client back when I first practiced law who was, who was a young, young businessman during the Depression when, when, when properties on Beacon Street in Boston were being foreclosed and sold off. And, and, and he, was, he, he, he saw the depression as an opportunity. And see, Satan wants us to see the hard times as struggles and we need to see them as God's opportunity because it's a time when, when people are, are open to listen. When people's needs are all being taken care of, it's hard to listen. But we're to be the, strong, the strength We're to be the beacon of light that shines out into the darkness. That's why Jesus said, let your light so shine before men. Well, it can only shine in the darkness. Light doesn't shine that clearly in a bright light. It shines in the darkness. But it can't shine in the darkness if all we're doing is looking at ourselves and what we're going through. So my point is this. If this is a change, if there's a prophetic change, then God is a prophetic, not pathetic, prophetic purpose for your life and for his church and so we have to begin to look at God's perspective on what is happening and that means God who speaks to us must have already provided instructions for how we are to go through this victorious and how we're to go through this and fulfill his call and his purpose for your life and for this church so we're going to begin to look at what God has said about pressure and how to pressure, handle pressure. To do that, I want to give you a little bit of background because this is kind of how my mind thinks. So just kind of bear with me with this. Our world and the way we've been raised and trained and all the thinking that's around us places its whole trust on what we can know and understand through our five senses and then process through our own understanding of what it means and what we are to do. And look at look at our science today. Look at our medical profession today. And again, I applaud them. They're doing the very best they can. But everything you read, and I'm going to talk about COVID specifically, but it's everything else. Everything you read is man with his best mind trying to understand physically and chemically what's going on and using his understanding and education to come up with an answer. Because that's all man can do apart from God. Apart from God. But the church does not have to look at these things apart from God because the church has God living in us that means we have God's wisdom God's perspective and God's power in us right now and I'm not saying throw your brain out and don't think I just encourage you to do that but if all we're doing is relying from the church now if all we're doing is relying on on what our five senses tell us. And by the way, that's CNN, Fox News, MSNBC. It's all that information that's coming at you through the internet and social media. That's all knowledge and information, forget whether it's accurate or not, that's coming through men's senses and men's understanding. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 8, the Bible has a term for that. It's called carnally minded. Carnal refers to the body or the flesh. So when our mind is all simply set on what we can see, what we can hear, what we can feel, what we can understand with our mind, the Bible calls that carnal mindedness. The world has no choice because that's the only resource they have. But the church has been put here with supernatural resources, supernatural wisdom, and supernatural perspective that the world doesn't have because God's planted us here so He can do His will in the midst of these pressured times. Romans chapter 8 tells us to be carnally minded is death for the church. So if we're living our life as Christians, and all we're doing is thinking about the reports we see, listening to reports, talking about the reports we see. We are carnally minded and it leads to death. I'm not talking necessarily about your physical death. It's a spiritual death that you go through. I'm not saying you lose your salvation. I'm not talking about that. But you're living in death. You're experiencing death. Because worry, pain, discouragement, frustration, anger, those are all elements of death. But Paul goes on and says to be spiritually minded is life and peace. God has a stake in whether you and I are living in life and peace. Jesus said to his disciples, at a very traumatic time for them, because he'd announced that he was about to leave them, Jesus said to them at this very traumatic time for them, my peace I give you. The world can't give you peace, but I give you my peace. And that was spoken by a man who was about to be crucified in a horrible death, beaten almost beyond recognition, and he's talking about the peace that he has. Because Jesus did not live carnally minded. He lived in peace and he lived in life. And therefore, even though he was facing a horrible death, he could that peace affected people around him while he was hanging on the cross. That peace affected people. It affected one man that was hanging on a cross next to him. Because he looked at Jesus and he saw something in him that was not natural to a man. going. You talk about going through pressure? There's probably no greater pressure than what he went through. Because not only was he going through a horrible physical death having followed a horrible physical beating, but he was bearing the sin of the world, yours and mine. And at the crucial point He cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So he experienced the aloneness that you and I would have to experience if he hadn't gone through that. And in the midst of all of that, one of these thieves looks over to him and he sees a peace that passes understanding. And Jesus told his disciples, my peace I give you. I encourage you just take a thought, a moment. You don't have to do it right now. To ask, be honest with yourself, are you at peace right now? I'm not telling you here when you go out that door, when you wake up tomorrow morning. Are you at peace? Because God's will for you and plan for you is that you live in perfect peace. That you live in perfect peace and that peace becomes a lighthouse to a world that can't find peace. So Satan understands this. So his primary goal, his primary technique is to put as much pressure on you as he can so that you will be just like the world. Romans 12.2. And I'll get to teaching this eventually. Romans 12.2 says, do not be conformed to this world. The word conformed means allowing the world's outside pressure to make you look just like everybody else. And the answer, Roman Paul gives, is to be transformed. The word transformed there means to take that inner nature who God's put in you and to bring that inner nature to the outside so that you can affect the world that's around you. And the process of doing that is the renewing of your mind. So we're going to take a look now at what the Bible tells us we are to do to not just come through the pressure, but to prosper in the pressure. And we may not get this finished today. That's okay. Pressure, pressure is the first thing we need to understand is that this kind of pressure has a spiritual origin or source. We spent a lot of time this summer, I remember when it was, in the series that went on and on and on about pulling back the curtain and looking at what's behind the curtain, what's in that, what's going on behind the The curtain represents, as we know now, what we can see. But there's things going on behind that curtain we can't see that are affecting and controlling what's on this side, and that's the spirit realm. And I believe God had to spend all that time to prepare us for this. Begin to look again behind the curtain but now we're going to look at it at prophetically what is going on this is not a prophetic teaching but Jesus says this to us in Matthew 24 and Matthew 25 Jesus talks about you can don't put that up just yet now, Jesus is preparing his disciples again for that he's leaving them and he's 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 awakening them to what's going to happen and he's basically, and this is important for us, because in Matthew 24 and 25, he talks about what's going to eventually happen in the prophetic phases that God's going to take us through. And, and the, the lessons in Matthew 24 is, first of all, he's correcting, he's shocking the religious leaders. He's jolting them, calling them whitewashed sepulchers. Jesus wasn't always sweet to people. He's jolting them, but then he turns to the disciples, ask him, how are we going to know when this happens? And Jesus begins to tell them a series of parables, the parables of the ten virgins, the parables of of the talents. And all of these parables ultimately have as their message being prepared for what is to come. But to begin that, Jesus gives us these instructions. You can put it up now. Now learn this parable of the fig tree. When its branches already become tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see all these things he's just talked about, know that it is near, it's at the door. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will know what means pass away until all these things take place. And stop there. I, had a, I used to struggle with this because, wait a minute, The generation he's talking to passed away over 2,000 years ago. But the word generation there doesn't mean just an age of one generation to another. It means the the people, the, the collection of people. So he's basically saying this world that we know it will not pass away until all these things take place. But the point here is Jesus is saying, look, you're smart enough to realize and recognize the signs of things. As I was meditating on this this morning, I'm, I'm looking out my window and I'm realizing the leaves are all gone. It was, few, it was nice a, a month or two ago to see the leaves changing. You know, I love, fall's a beautiful time of year around here. You see the beautiful leaves that change. I mean, we lived in Oklahoma where you've got to work hard to find a leaf, let alone the trees that we have around here. But always in the back of my mind, when I'm enjoying the beautiful foliage, is realizing what follows the beautiful foliage because these leaves are coming down and what's going to follow is December January February what's going to follow is winter and when you live in New England you know winter means cold and it means snow and I found as I get older I do not like the cold, and I like the snow even less. It's beautiful when the first snow falls, but I've had my fill at that point. And my wife already wants to go to Florida. And, all, you know, all those things. So my point is this. Because of seasons, because we know that the season we're in now, the are indications that tell you what's coming. And so Jesus is warning them, wake up. You don't have to be a a prophet to know something's happening. Something's happening. Even when this started, I had people come to me and say, people around them are asking questions. Is this the end? Well, obviously it wasn't the end then. But the end is coming at some point. So the point of this is we, we need to be spiritually discerning, not just reacting to what's going on. That's the point I'm trying to make. Because what we tend to do is react to what's going on. Okay, now the the, 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 the this cases are going ticking back up again, and now we have this other variant. So we look at that and we react to that. Then there's another shooting somewhere else. Somebody else, done, and we look, and we don't collect it together and really wait a minute. Something bigger may be going on. Because if something's bigger going on, I need to know that because I need to know how I should respond to that and what my role is. So I want to begin to look at a couple of instructions that the Bible gives us. And we may not get out of these because this is, uh, but that's okay. We can finish it next week if you promise to come back. (laughs) I heard three people say yes. There are many voices out there right now telling us what we're to look at, what we're to pay attention to. There are many voices out there telling us what they mean. I, I marvel at our news programs. There's not enough news <laughs> for 24 hours on four or five stations. And not only do you watch the news, but you've got somebody talking to you, and you've got banners going across the bottom, and there's background things out there overwhelming us with information, and most of it's somebody's opinion. You know what an opinion is? It's a guess. So most of what we react to are somebody's guess. Now as a lawyer, I was trained to think critically. How do they know that? Who are, what expertise do they have? And, and is this an opinion or a fact? So I've learned to look at words, just a sidetrack here, is when they say, well we think or we believe, that means they don't know. Well, think about that. Look at headlines and begin to think about what that headline is actually saying. It's possible that. That means it's also possible it won't happen. But those words don't, aren't what stickle us. It's what follows it's possible that. And so if you're not discerning, or careful. So we need to be discerning about how we're listening to things and what we're listening to. There are many voices in the world telling us what to look at. They're telling us what it means. So they may give you facts, but then they interpret it. I love it after, especially during, during uh, elections, you have somebody give a speech, and you have 20 people give their interpretation of what that person just said. I heard what they said. I don't need you to tell me what they said. But their interpretation always has a bent to it. So somebody's always interpreting what you've heard to you to tell you what it means. And you have living inside of you the Spirit of the living God who has all wisdom. Why do we need them to tell us what it means when we've got God living inside of us to tell us what it means from His perspective? I've been listening to a message about worry and how to control worry. And he tells a story about the disciples that are, we're not going to get through this today, tells the disciples that, are, that, that are, Jesus said, let's go to the other side. Jesus didn't make a suggestion. He didn't make a prediction. Well, let's try to go to the other side. He said, let's go to the other side. And he went to sleep on a pillow. And they get halfway out there and this terrible storm comes up. And you know the story. And they're scared. And this is their sea. This is their boat. And they're afraid they're going to sink. And he's asleep. And they get mad at him. And they go wake him up. And what do they say? They don't say, would you please rescue us? They attack him. They say, don't you care? That's in essence what Satan told Eve in the garden too. God's holding something back from you. He doesn't really care about you. And Jesus now wakes up, rebukes the storm, and then criticizes them that they didn't do something about it. And this preacher made this comment. I never thought of it before. Why were they worried about something that Jesus did not worry about? Why are we so worried about things that the Lord's not worried about? If he's not worried about it, why should we? If he's really our Lord and we do what he says, So if I'm worried about something, he's not worried about it. I've taken responsibility for something he hasn't given me. That's something worth meditating on. So what does God say? I've been trying to get to this point for the last half hour. (laughs) Let's go look at Joshua chapter 1. This is significant because this is a man going through tremendous pressure. For years now, he has been The assistant to one of the most effective leaders that's ever existed, Moses. He's watched this man lead this people out of Egypt. He's watched this man part the Red Sea. He's watched this man oversee the destruction of the Egyptian army that pursued them. He's watched this man strike a rock and bring water out of it. He's watched this man throw a rod into the water and it turns sweet. He's watched this man go up on a mountain and spend 40 days in the physical presence of God several times and come down with tablets that God has written his hands on. He's watched this man face glow from the presence of God. And he's been an aside through all of this. And now this chapter begins with the exciting words, Moses, my servant, is dead. Look at this. The death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, my, Moses, my servant, is dead. He's gone. The one you've relied on is gone. Oh, by the way, you're responsible for two million people who are rebellious. They're fighting God And they'll fight you. So Moses was in the middle of a terrible pressure situation because God was pulling him one way and the people were pulling him the other way and all the pressure was on Moses and he's dead now and it's now your turn. Now arise. Go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I'm giving them, the children of Israel. In other words, get off your blessed assurance Stop feeling sorry for yourself. Stop looking at what you've lost and get up and do what I've called you to do. Because my plan for my people has not changed. And God's plan for this church has not changed whether COVID comes or COVID goes. No matter what happens in that world out there, God's plan and God's purpose for this church and for your life has not changed. So God's calling us to stand up and be strong. And every place, I believe this is prophetic, every place that the sole of your foot will tread, I have already given it to you, just as I did, said to Moses. In other words, the only reason you haven't taken it is because you've been sitting here, because you're overwhelmed. Hmm. Notice what God's not doing. He's not saying, now Joshua, I know this is hard for you. You've been a faithful servant. You've come through a lot. I know you love Moses, and I know he's gone now. And we just need to take some time for you to adjust and for you to get some good counsel and to listen to some good tapes and get yourself built up. And when you think you're ready, come ask, talk to me, and I'll help you do this. No, God knows what God can do. The devil works so hard to get us looking at ourselves and who we are and what we can't do and what we're going through. From the wilderness of this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea towards the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Why? Because you're so strong and powerful and handsome? no because as I was with Moses that's how Moses did it I will, so I will be with you I will not leave you or forsake you I say to you today God will not leave you or forsake you as he was with Moses as he was with Joshua as he was with David as he was with all the prophets as he was with the disciples as he was with Jesus so He will be with you. So He will be with you. Be, here's the instructions. Be strong and of good courage. Well, Pastor, you don't understand. I'm a coward. That's not my nature to be strong. You notice God didn't ask Him whether His nature or not. See, we think courage is a quality that you either have or you don't have. But here God's commanding it. And God would be unjust to command Joshua to do something Joshua was not capable of doing. Well, that's just for Joshua, then why is it in the Bible? Is it just an historical description for us? Be strong and of good courage. So courage is an act of your will. Courage does not mean you don't feel fear, it's what you do with it. For this people shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only, only, watch CNN to find out what to do, and if you don't like them, go to Fox News. Only, go on Facebook and see what everybody else thinks about this. Only, call Pastor John and think what he see what he thinks. <laughs> only. No, only be strong. You now, well, Pastor, that's hard. He didn't, didn't say it's easy. You can command courage of yourself. Let's put it this way. Look back the other way. What do you think of yourself? Do you think you're a strong person? And if so, why? Do you think you're a weak person? And if so, Why? And then what do you say about yourself? What's the image you have of yourself? But notice God didn't say, be strong because I see great strength in you. Why would God have the, have the right to command us to be strong if we're not strong people? Because God says, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you but that's the Old Testament. We have a better covenant on better promises because God's not promised to be with us. He's promised to live in us. That's why John says, greater is He that's in you than He that's in the world. Why should we be afraid? Why should we not have courage when the greater one and who is that greater one? It's the spirit of the living God who created you, who, through whom the worlds were created. The spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells in you. Romans 8:11. If the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he will also quicken your mortal body. He's not just talking about the resurrection. He's talking about today, tomorrow, under the pressure. He will strengthen your mortal body but you have to change how you think about yourself. God's not telling Joshua that I see great courage in you. He said, I will be with you. I will never leave you. Only be strong and very courageous. Why? And here's the key. That you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commands you. In other words, bring in the New Testament, that you may observe to do what the Word says. Only be strong and very courageous so that you may be able to observe and do what the Word says. So it takes courage to do what the Word says. Why? Because everything that's assaulting our senses is telling us just the opposite. I'm preaching to me this morning. You can listen in. It's assaulting our, but it's assaulting our senses. It can't get in you, unless you allow it. So be strong and courageous that you may observe according to the law of Moses by servant of command. Do not turn. I mean, this is God's instructions about a prosper under pressure. Now we can look at this as well. God, that's a good idea. But there's some other good ideas out there also. This is God speaking to you and to me and to Faith Christian Center. These are his instructions. We prayed earlier. Jesus said, we talked about this before he was ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Here's what the Spirit is saying to the church. Do not turn from it, from the Word, from the right or the left, that you might prosper wherever you go as long as there's not too much pressure, as long as another variant does come out, as long as there's no inflation, as long as my family gets along to it. No! Because it's your prosper and your success that God wants to use to influence what the world that is around you. The book of the law, this is it. The word of God shall not depart from your mouth. Oh boy, we're gonna to have to finish this next week. So I want to—I'm ta- not gonna to end just here. In a minute, I'm gonna, and I want you to take some time this week and think about what comes out of your mouth. What's coming out of your mouth? Oh, we're never going to make it. Oh, my goodness, there's another variant. Oh, my, I hope this doesn't happen. I hope the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it. You shall meditate it on on Sunday morning between 9.30 and 11. As long as Pastor John ends at 11, because after 11, I don't have to meditate on it. I got more important things to do. The football game started the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. I've begun to do that again. i had forgotten to do this. So I'm driving in the car. I've got certain scriptures. I just slowly go over them. I think to talk to, them, I talk to myself, God's word. I talk God's word back to him. I say, Father, you said this to us. You said to me, I can meditate on that. You said to me, this book shall not depart from my mouth. But I shall meditate on a day and night that you may observe to do according to that which is written in it. So you won't do it unless it's in you. According to that which is in For then you will make your way prosperous. Notice you make your way prosperous. How? Not on your own strength. It's the word of God in you strengthens you to be strong and to prosper. And I'm not just talking about money here. This is more, more than money. And then you will have good success next week we're going to go into another instruction and then we're going to go through some examples that we have through the life of Paul of how he applied these principles and we're going to see that's what enabled him to do what he was able to do that's enabled him to do what he was able to do our success see there he goes again have I not commanded you be strong and of good courage this is God talking to us and do not be afraid oh but pastor I have to be God said you don't have to the reason you're afraid is what you're meditating on you change what you meditate on you won't be afraid be strong and of good courage do not be afraid do not be dismayed why for the Lord your God is with you when you're in church but then he goes down the street to his providence church and then he goes somewhere else to let you know. the Lord your God is with you he's in you wherever you go and God's success listen carefully we'll end with this God's success in this prophetic time that we're in is dependent on our success Say, well, God can do what he wants to do. No, he can't. We are the body of Christ. Christ can't do anything in this earth unless it's done through his body, any more than you can do anything unless it's done through your body. So God's invested in our success because his success and what he wants to do for his plan is directly connected to our success are prospering under this prophetic pressure that we're under. Let's pray. Father, I pray for all of us this morning that we take what we've heard today and that your spirit begin to work in our mind and in our heart to begin to make us aware and jolt us, if necessary, out of the... Fear or the lethargy or the self pity that we're in to wake us up to who we are in Christ and what you put us here to do, and that we're not alone. You've equipped us with everything we need. And so, Father, in this time between this morning and next week, that you would continue to take this word and sow it down into our hearts, that we may water it with the word of God and by your Spirit, that we may begin to produce a harvest. For your kingdom thirty sixty and a hundredfold in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.